Hello and welcome to the West Beach Challenges podcast. I am jumping on to talk to you about the menopause. I had a lovely day yesterday and I went to a fitness event and I listened to a really awesome nutritionist called Christine Bailey talk about the menopause. And I have always got my listening ears out thinking about what information you guys um, would benefit from hearing. And I know that we are a majority female crew and every single one of us will go through the menopause. And actually I've been thinking, hopefully, because we are burping and we are doing our press ups, we are all gonna live to about 110. So if like the average woman, you go through the menopause at 51, you're going to spend the majority of your life post-menopausal. So we need to be future-proofing ourselves. We need to know the symptoms. We need to know what options there are so we can explore them. Um, so I'm no expert, but I thought I'd go through my notes, <laughs> which sounds like super exciting and just chat a bit about the menopause so pop me in your ears take me out for a walk if you can have a little think could I listen to this whilst pacing the house tidying up going out getting some steps get some sunlight sunlight's going to be a reoccurring theme because I'm going to do a whole other podcast on sleep but basically go and get some light onto your skin it does amazing things for pretty much everything is one of the take-homes from yesterday but one of the things I don't think I'd completely appreciated as is that we have um, receptors for estrogen in all organs. And then the more I thought about it, that does make sense because when we hear women talk about um, their menopausal symptoms, it's things like the fact that they have uh, brain fog, that they have um, joint pain, um, you know, you can have breast changes, you start holding fat in different places on your body, you know, you feel um, sort of fatigued all of the time. So it actually made a lot of sense. So estradiol, um, which is the sex hormone, is synthesized in all of your organs and there's sort of receptors for estrogen all over the body. And that's why it affects things from the way your body is able to transport sugar around the body. Um, so you become, your insulin sensitivity actually goes down once you don't have um, as much estrogen going around in your body. It's going to um, up your inflammatory markers. So all those um, inflammatory diseases are much more likely to occur in women who are postmenopausal. Obviously that kind of joint pain, um, bone density coming down, all of these things are happening as a result of the hormone changes that we experience because of the menopause. Um, and I know lots of women do say that so frequently women have said, oh, you know, they just feel like they're storing a lot of weight in different areas than they would have before. So maybe before it would have been kind of like bum and around your boobs getting bigger, but then you lose the estrogen and it feels more abdominal. And we do know that if you have to store fat, which we all do, the safest place to store it is in on your bum and thighs. So if you are more pear-shaped, um, and you do tend to hold your weight more around your bum and your thighs, that's away from your essential organs and that's a much safer uh, fat storage center, if you like. So again, these were all just quite interesting things to think about and also to, to start to understand why there's that shift. Like why is it that suddenly you are storing fat in different places and your body composition feels like it's changing? They're also saying that things like cholesterol can go up. So um, all of those, all of those things are um, an issue as you go through these hormonal changes. 
and that ability of the the body to turn um, glucose into energy is disturbed because you don't have such a good glucose response. You're not able to manage the glucose in the same way, which is obviously going to be leading to that feeling of fatigue and tiredness. And also that need to kind of seek out carbs, just wanting carbs, wanting sweet and sugary foods to get your fix because your body isn't as efficient at turning your glucose into energy anymore. And maybe therefore you're not managing the glucose very well and you're just more able to lay down more energy as fat than you would have previously. Also being more susceptible to things like autoimmune diseases and just how important estrogen is as an antioxidant. So kind of your body's ability to kind of keep inflammation down. All of those things are going to change um, and sadly not change for the better, but change for the worse as your estrogen starts to drop. I mean, estrogen just sounded amazing. I was like, wow, I, I think we don't really um, appreciate what all these wonderful hormones do. And then suddenly you become deficient in a hormone. And they very much also use language like that. So in the same way that if somebody is diabetic, they are deficient in um, not having enough insulin and we treat that as a medical problem, there is some talk now emerging, certainly from people like the menopause doctor, about the fact that we should really be thinking of the menopause as um, women becoming um, estrogen deficient. And again, taking that more medical approach that seeing it as a deficiency that has negative impacts on all of those organs we just discussed and therefore taking it seriously to sort of treat that underlying problem. So again, I'm not gonna say, you know, oh, you have to have HRT, but I think all of us should be really thinking about it on our own personal level, talking to our GPs about it, doing things like downloading the Balance app. And I think it's the menopause doctor, if you um, Google easy prescribing again, she's got a really nice, easy reference guide to HRT and how to have that conversation with your GP, because it's always worth exploring it with your particular set of circumstances. I think HRT has moved on like, like a million zillion um, miles from where it used to be. There's lots of bioidentical um, hormone creams that you can be using now. And again, I think it's, just something you need to be informed about and something you are talking about with with your gp the other things that i mean there isn't anything that estrogen doesn't really get involved in but it started to make a lot more sense so i know women will suddenly say that their appetite regulation changes and that's because um estrogen um, receptors are also places like the hypothalamus where you're making your hormones that's going to change so you might just suddenly find that you feel really hungry and you crave carbs. And she used quite a helpful um, reference, which was if you think about when you're having your period, that feeling of just really, really needing something sugary um, just before you get your period. So when your estrogen's at its lowest, that's very similar when you are going into being estrogen deficient. And as well as talking, um, about those cravings, which I think we can all relate to. So your period's about to come, you suddenly feel hungrier. So again, that's all because of these hormonal changes. Um, and then she was also talking about, if you think about, and there's been quite a bit of it, if I don't know, you guys probably don't follow as many fitness accounts as I do. There's been a bit of a craze about talking about how to train for your cycle, etc. 
But also if you think about that in terms of the menopause, if you are at the beginning of your cycle, and um, there's a lot of talk about that should be the time where you really uh, look for your personal bests and you go and you can really push with your strength training or push with your cardio. And then how that feeling of strength changes with your estrogen levels. So it might not be optimal for you from a hormone point of view to be like really pushing yourself in the gym if it's the week before your period when your estrogen's low. So again, it started to make more sense, but obviously with our period, it's a cycle. And then we go back to having um, more estrogen and then feeling like we've got superpowers again. And obviously we just keep cycling through that until we all eventually come to this point um, of going into the menopause. And I think it really is that from what she was saying and all of the women she works with are perimenopausal, but just finding it for these women that it's harder to recover from injury, they're feeling um, like brain fog, not being able to find the words they want, maybe difficulties with memory and not feeling motivated anymore. So sort of feeling like someone has stolen your mojo. So she was saying the optimal time to exercise is going to be the morning when you're going through these hormonal changes because when you exercise you spike your cortisol so you spike your stress hormone and you don't want to do that um before bed because cortisol actually blocks melatonin and melatonin is what helps you get sleepy and want to go to sleep so she was talking about ideally and if possible exercising earlier on in the day but the problem obviously with exercising earlier on in the day is if you've had a rubbish night's sleep because guess what the menopause is also going to affect how well you're sleeping you might not be waking up and bouncing out of bed with all of your mojo to go and like smash a workout so you therefore might leave it till later and then if you do do it too late it might start interfering with your sleep and then it sort of becomes a bit of a pattern so thinking about the forms of exercise you're doing um obviously some exercise isn't going to spike your cortisol as much as others but kind of really high stress very high intensity might be better to be doing earlier on in the day rather than too late luckily for you guys you can pop on a workout whenever you like but knowing that it might feel harder because you might not have that mojo that you've always relied on so thinking and linking back to um, more about those habits, like really thinking about setting up your environment for success. So if you haven't got that mojo to rely on, what are you going to rely on? How are you going to make sure that you have kind of bubble wrap that habit and made sure it's going to happen? So, you know, making sure your alarm set, making sure, and this, I've already said it was a reoccurring theme of the day, that you were getting daylight or light onto your skin on waking. So if you've got blackout blinds, that might not be serving you in the sense of helping your body naturally wake up. So to get the serotonin in your body um, to really start to feel alive and awake, we need to be exposing our skin to light as soon as possible. And ideally waking up with some form of light. It's getting easier now, the mornings are lighter. But I'm going to be looking into something called a Lumi clock. I'll keep you guys posted. But again, it's a alarm clock that actually lights up the room quite naturally to help you wake up. So again, have a little Google. I know nothing about them yet, but they do sound pretty incredible. And again, it's part of my move my telephone out of my bedroom um, 
campaign that I will have a different alarm clock that isn't my telephone. So my phone and no tech, I promise, will be in my bedroom. I advise you guys, obviously, to do the same. I haven't done it yet. I'm so going to, though, I promise. Um, but anyway, that was really um, quite interesting as well. And she did talk about um, in regards to, well, firstly, though there were those sort of strategies of exercise earlier in the day, get out in sunlight. And then she was saying with hormone therapy, there's a real window of opportunity. And some of her clients have a very um, large history of cognitive change and maybe family members so alzheimer's or dementia and that for those women it was even more important that they knew about that window of opportunity to look into hormone replacement therapy to make sure that they were preserving cognitive function as much as possible because she was saying if your estrogen drops extremely low and you don't maybe replace those hormones you won't be able to get back the cognitive change that will occur whilst you're um, not replacing the estrogen but again I am no expert she sounded like you know she sounded like an expert, but something to discuss with your GP again. So just to be mindful that there could be optimal timing and not leaving it too late. She was saying that the women she works with will go very um, early to talk to their GP about um, HRT if there's a large family history of kind of cognitive issue. Now here is the good news. So uh, there was, well, there has been a lot of research studies on perimenopausal women and body composition and what is the right type of exercise to do. Firstly, and I thought this was quite a nice stat to share, she was talking about um, to improve body composition once you're undergoing these hormonal changes, realistically you're looking at three to six months to improve your body composition and I thought that was really good and um, it might be for some of you guys listening a bit like oh god that's quite a long time but this idea that we can kind of shift things really quickly and maybe previously when you were like 20 and you went on a I don't know I'll probably back when you're 20 you did go on a diet not a lifestyle change you went on a diet your body composition just shifts within a second and like before you know it you're back like in your favorite jeans and bouncing around again but you might have noticed that as you're getting older your body composition doesn't respond as quickly to the lifestyle changes you might be putting in place um, so three to six months I thought was a really good stat to share with you guys so just thinking that it's going to take a long time um, and also, not only that, like, I don't even really want you to think about how long it's going to take. I want you to be committing to these lifestyle changes forever. So I know I pull you in with a six week reset, but then I keep you forever. If you don't know that already, I hope that's that's not too shocking. Because the good news is I can offer you exactly what you need, which is um, HIT and aerobics, <laughs> which and strength training. So they talked about the fact um, that women who were doing 300 minutes a week of more HIT and aerobic exercise had significant improvements. And this was in the um, research, significant improvements in um, abdominal fat and it improved mitochondrial function, which obviously sounds fantastic. So just basically your body's ability um, to, um, I'm just trying to think about this, what did your body do? So you basically, 
these women did more than what is normally recommended. But that idea of doing some cardio, getting your heart rate up, going into that kind of high intensity interval training did amazing things. I think that's all you probably need to know. Um, so definitely having a component which is heart rate raising is significantly going to improve um, how you're feeling around your tummy area. Um, and I know lots of us are always asking, like, what can you do? So it sounds like actually having quite a bit of cardio is not a bad thing. But what is even better? And there's no surprise here, because you may know that I do love resistance training. And she was just saying how fundamental it is for women to be doing some form of resistance training. And I think we all know that it's going to be good for our bone health, but it's also going to improve your insulin sensitivity. The more muscle mass you have, the better, the easier it's going to be um, to live in your preferred body composition. So you're going to be more metabolic, you'll be burning more energy at rest. So it really was about resistance training, underpinning everything. So definitely putting an emphasis here, not ignoring the cardio, so making sure that you are going out, getting your steps in, enjoying a little bit of interval training, enjoying getting out of breath. But definitely there was a lot of emphasis on the importance of women training and lifting up heavy things. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I do not even know where I would start with lifting up anything, do just drop me a message or um, send me a message on Instagram or send me an email because there's nothing I would prefer to do uh, than get you to fall in love with the process of lifting up heavy things. So do just shout at me. The other thing, which again, I was like, oh my goodness, it's like I designed the app for perimenopausal and menopausal women, was the importance of balance and flexibility. And she was talking about the data around risks of falls. So with yoga and Pilates, it's not only going to be about those deep core muscles, which we know are going to become even more important in regards to things like uh, pelvic floor health and function. Because once you hit the menopause, if you have any pelvic floor um, incompetence, so if you have any um, urine leakage or any degree of prolapse, once you hit the hormonal changes, your prolapse or whatever's going on is going to get worse when there isn't as much estrogen flying around your body. So taking care of that, taking care of your core, making sure you are doing your pelvic floor exercises, you are learning how to safely lift weight, etc., is really important. But the specific thing about yoga and Pilates was the importance of working on your balance and flexibility and that that had a direct link with decreasing your risk of falls. And we all know, and there was like, a, it was a crazy stat. I can't quite remember it exactly. So I'm not gonna, well, I'm probably gonna half make it up, but it was basically looking at mortality in women post falls and the mortality rate was so high like in the the year after they had fallen um and it was like much much higher than like the risk of um death from cancer and i think it was women who were over 70 but we don't really think about the risk of falls but if you think about a woman who maybe hasn't looked after their um fitness and their bone density uh, maybe didn't replace hormones so maybe um their bone density isn't so good or didn't resistance train so again their bone health isn't so good and then you fall 
it's really going to impact on your function and your risk of death after that fall is just much, much higher. And I think we often worry about things like cancer and maybe we don't worry enough about things like our bone density and making sure that we do look after our balance and our flexibility so we can get back up off the floor and hopefully not fall there in the first place. So that was really, really interesting. And there was a couple of other things that I'm going to say, and then I'm probably gonna leave it there for now. And it was about hydration. And I didn't know this, but your thirst centers. So even your ability to kind of know when you're thirsty can be affected by this drop in estrogen when you go through the menopause. So making sure that you are sipping throughout the day and that you are not hydrated. And then she talked about the thing that I, I think I've barely mentioned it to you, but protein and just how important it is to be eating protein regularly spaced throughout your day. So, I mean, I was mostly really sitting there feeling quite proud of us guys because we are nailing this stuff. Like we are getting this stuff in. We have got interval training. We have got resistance training. We've got Pilates. We've got yoga. We talk about drinking enough water and we talk about protein. Um, so her recommendation was um, between 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of your body weight. So hopefully you can all work that out for yourselves. And I know I'm asking most of you to hit between sort of 75 to 100 grams. And I'm terrible at maths, but I think that means most of you, particularly if you're reaching that upper end, are going to be hitting enough protein. But to actually think about whether, if you've been here a while, whether you would even be able to shift it up that little bit more because it really helps with things like appetite regulation and it can balance out cravings, so those kind of carb cravings. And certainly looking at the plate method where we go for loads of leafy vegetables, we go for a source of protein at every meal time, and then less of those um, carbs because we know when you're perimenopausal or menopausal, your ability to manage glucose isn't going to be the same anymore. So definitely just another note about how freaking awesome protein is. Um, and again, she did touch on if you are vegan, the fact that you won't be eating colon and um, uh, choline rich foods, so things like um, fatty fish, etc. So to be really careful and mindful that you are supplementing properly if you are vegan and going through hormone changes and probably seeking nutritional advice to make sure that you are not deficient in anything and that you are giving your body every single thing it needs to optimize because we can 100% um, look at our nutrition and make sure that that is optimal. I think we should all be having conversations with our GPs to make sure that we're exploring HRT and that we're open-minded to it doing lots of research, lots of reading, um, tracking our symptoms on something like the Balance app and um, talking to one another about it. I don't think maybe we, I think we're better than we used to be, but maybe talking um, even more. So I think that's all I wanted to say. That's the end of my notes, but she was amazing. So it's Christine Bailey and she is on Instagram and she shares some really nice information. So she's definitely worth worth a follow but i think it's also important if you've noticed any of the things so if you are noticing that you've got sudden joint pain and um, if you are noticing fogginess changes in your menstrual cycle any of those things that you are starting to track and log those um symptoms and that you are um 
making time to talk to a medical practitioner about it and thinking about whether you want to look at um, replacing some of the hormones you've always had in your body that you are starting to lose. Um, and I think I can't remember because I have actually tried to record this podcast about 500 times today. It just hasn't happened very naturally. Um, so yeah, there's massive changes in HRT now and there's bioidentical um, creams that you can use and estrogen patches, etc. So I think there is some kind of historic overhang from how HRT used to be to where it is now. So definitely having those conversations and being really, really well informed. Guys, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, obviously, let me know if there's any more questions. And if I can't answer them, and it's highly, highly unlikely that I'll be able to answer them, I'll find somebody and I will ask them the question. Christine's been great, actually. So even um, shooting her a message on Instagram, I'm sure she'll be more than happy to answer your questions. But yeah, really kind of expert advice for perimenopause, menopause, and just generally women in general, because I think there's only one way we are all heading and there's only one way our hormones are going so yeah i think knowledge is power guys i'm gonna leave it there again share it if anyone hasn't rated like there's a few lovely ratings i think you can rate the podcast on all sorts of different platforms now so wherever you listen if you can give it a like follow the show anything like that um i'd really appreciate it all right gang bye